Um, I want to actually start off with prayer. Um, prayer that this is useful for all of you. So um, let me start. Heavenly Father, I praise you for giving me the opportunity of being here in Austin and talking to this wonderful group of people. I ask you that your name be glorified, not anything else, and that something meaningful speaks to someone in here and really uh, provokes a change and encourages them in their walk uh, to reach gamers. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's look at this. Ah, oh, there we go. So, uh, one sec. Maybe this is too far. This might be too far. Ah, we could try. Maybe not. Maybe it's the camera in the way. I don't know. Okay, so you might be wondering who's talking. Uh, and uh, you might be wondering why Zach and Bubba thought it would be a good idea f uh, to have any words of wisdom or encouragement for all of you. And actually, that makes two of us. So, uh, but all joking aside, in all honesty, I'm really humbled by the fact that I get to speak to you all today. And I hope and pray that God will use the next 50 minutes or so to encourage you on your journey. Um, okay, so my name is Alex Magnus Lehman. I'm the head of the creative department at Riot. Um, I work for Riot Games. The creative department includes all the artists, writers, audio folks, creative directors, all in about 775 rioters across 14 global offices. Um, and I'm, we are working on all games released and in R&D. Um, these are the main games that Riot is currently known for. And I work, I go by the name Magnus, uh, because we have too many Alexes at some point. We just decided, go with your middle name. That is actually my middle name. Um, so this is likely the slide that you would expect when there's a speaker that wants to get your attention. Um, that they are worth listening to, but in honesty, there's so much more to me than just that. Uh, first of all, you might have noticed that I am a lover of all things coffee. Um, I'm drinking about three double-shot cappuccinos a day, and you can ask me if that works when I'm 80, uh, if that worked out for me. So, I was born and raised in Germany before I met my American wife and left Germany at the age of 27. Uh, yes, those are Lederhosen, which is a very uh, terrible German trope. And it's even funnier if you know that I'm from northern Germany. That's like someone from Boston wearing cowboy boots. Um, I'm happily married to my wife, Sarah. I'm a dad of three kids. Julia, Christopher, and Noah were, as we like to say, 100% Jamaican. Uh, all of us moved to Colorado in, 2000, uh, in 2023. Uh, no, in 2022 where we live a life between Starlink video game nights and raising farm animals. Can't wait to get fiber optics. <laughs> okay, last year I became a cat owner, or better, I was talked into getting one cat for the mice and such. That worked out great if you can count the cats. <laughs> uh, and yeah, sure, I love cats, but personally I'm all team dog, so that's Chippy doing his uh, daily job of watching the field. Uh, as I hinted, my wife and I uh, slowly migrated to becoming hobby farmers in the last uh, past 12 months. And one of the reasons I'm here is because I genuinely love playing video games for as long as I can remember. To this day, if I have an hour at the end of the day, you'll find me playing video games and not watching Netflix. I don't have time for Netflix. Um, I still find them fascinating. Right now I'm 200 hours into Starfield, finished Mario Wonder, and I'm about to embark on Spider-Man 2. Most importantly though, since I can remember, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a fellow brother in Christ, called by grace, I'm a child of God, and in the end, 
I am just a redeemed sinner trying to live a life worthy of God's calling. So, with that, now you know a little bit more about me. But what are we talking about today? Why would you spend your valuable time listening to me and sitting in chairs for another hour or so? Well, I hope that by sharing my personal life story, I can inspire and encourage you on your own personal walk as a Christian and potential future game developer or streamer or minister in the um, Christian game field. Um, this is true for you if, in case you want to be working on Christian games or whether you just like to, came, to play games or whether you want to be just a Christian in the game scene. If you're here today, I believe that something attracts you to games, whether it's playing them, making them, or seeing the potential in them. And maybe it's all of it. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about five points. My journey, God has a plan, the mission field metaverse, God wants our excellence, and forming alliances, and then I'm going to talk specifically about Mladris. Okay, so in order to better understand where I'm headed today, I think it would be actually helpful for all of you to learn where I came from. And this is a deeply personal story by definition, but I think you'll see that I'm not the only one. You know, in my case, I had a dream. I knew very early on in my life what I wanted to become. I wanted to become an animator. When I was 12, I decided I wanted to work on the movies. Specifically, Star Wars movies really inspired me to become an X-Wing fighter pilot. And I mean that. I thought I'm going to become an X-Wing fighter pilot for movies. Then I learned the hard truth that those spaceships aren't real and that they, you can't fly around and that they're only models made out of plastic and glue. So I spent a bunch of time with models and plastic and glue. But I also specifically loved Disney movies as a kid. So with 15, I wrote them a letter and I asked how I could become an animator one day. And they were kind enough to actually get back to me. But before I could live my dream, I had a few obstacles to overcome. My biggest problem was... I was really bad at drawing, and it turns out that Disney was really into drawing the characters at that time. <laughs> More importantly, though, I thought that God doesn't approve of my life plan. Like many Christians, I thought the only way for me to work for God is to become a missionary and to move to a faraway country, live a potentially harsh life of persecution and having no roof over my head. You see, I already loved playing video games and working with computers, and then I started even exploring the wonders of dial-up internet. But I was told by my Christian friends and teachers that all of this is the work of the devil and nothing a Christian kid should be playing around with. And of course, games like Doom and Hexen did not help that. So at around 12 or 13, I prayed a very sincere prayer that God would lead me to what he believes is right. His will be done, not mine. And I knew this meant I had to give up on my personal dreams. Childlike faith is actually very special. At that time, I was on vacation on an island in the Northern Sea. I had brought my precious game gear along, and I was convinced that if I sincerely and earnestly give my, God to, uh, my life to God, the game gear would immediately go up in flames uh, right next to me. Well, you might guess it, that's not what happened, but it really surprised me. Like many others, and maybe some of you today, I always thought that one day God would want me to be a missionary. Growing up in a church, that was the most logical way of how I could serve him. And while I wanted to please God to the best of my ability, this really scared me. I was, if I was honest, I did not want to go to the Middle East, to Africa or India. I just couldn't get excited over that thought. 
And see, I was fundamentally misunderstanding how uniquely and wonderfully God has created each and every one of us. Here I was, this kid that had an American flag in my room at the age of eight, for no apparent reason to my parents, that loved video games and movies, that geeked out about computers, um, and was turned off by how many Christian products were lacking a professional touch at that time. Um, seriously, getting a good t-shirt with a professional print was almost impossible when I grew up. Most of my friends wore self-made shirts with a Bible verse written with a Sharpie on it. And I was longing for the day where kids like myself could buy a cool t-shirt with a great design showcasing their faith. There was only one Christian comic book I could get my hands on, and genuinely it wasn't that interesting at all. Um, and it felt like it was made by adults for adults. And VeggieTales hadn't yet made it to Germany. Now, this kid, I mean me, I was struggling with the idea of becoming a missionary in a faraway country one day because that wasn't what God made me to be one day. God had put all these interests and talents into me for a reason, not to take on the job of someone that I wasn't supposed to be. Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. One sec. Sorry. And so God did answer me in a big way. At the age of 13, I was at a big Christian youth conference in Germany. There was a famous missionary by the name of Jackie Pollinger, and she was talking about how God called her to be a missionary in mainland China. She gave a great witness about her own personal journey. At the end of her talk, she stopped and mentioned that she believes that there are all kinds of people in this audience. For instance, there were doctors who would wonder if God could use traditional medicine and their vocation to help other people. And then she specifically said that she believes there are two or three kids who wanted to work with computers for God and Jesus one day. Now, mind you, that was in 1991. As I said, almost all Christians I had talked to had a very negative view of computers at that time because of the internet. And my heart was pounding. I genuinely felt like God had spoken directly to me. You know, I believe that God gives us talents and passions for a reason. If you hate cooking, I doubt he wants you to become the world's greatest chef. And vice versa, if you love something and if you're good at it, chances are that God has a great plan in mind using it. For example, here are three NFL quarterbacks, all who won a Super Bowl in the last 10 years, and all of them used their passion for football to openly talk about Jesus Christ. So if someone is really into sport, I wouldn't be surprised to find that God will use it for his glory. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to bend Bible verses here to make a point they're not making. But the Bible is talking a lot about how God has a great plan for us and that there's no coincidence. I really believe God doesn't make mistakes when he creates us and when he shapes the circumstances that shape us. So in my case, he made a kid from Germany with a specific genetic makeup, with wishes and desires, who would love video games, computer animation, America and its culture, the English language more than German, leading teams, and hey, couldn't wait for self-driving cars at the age of 25. That is true. My fears of having something to do I genuinely wouldn't love or be good at were unwarranted because God indeed had a wonderful plan for me and my life. Okay, so after feeling that I could pursue a career that involves computers in some shape or form, my plan was now made up and quite simple. Study hard to become a good animator, then work hard to become good enough to land a job at Disney, now that do that for a while, get some credibility, and then crowdfund my own TV or movie studio one day to make some awesome Christian content for God. I also felt like God and I were in total agreement on this. 
So, now that I knew I could use computers to serve God, right, he had told me this was great, since you might remember I was really bad at drawing, but I was really good with computers. You see, this particular sequence here has a lot of significance to me. At the age of 15, I was in a movie theater watching The Lion King. First row, last ticket I could get. In this scene, I immediately noticed that the wildebeest are not drawn by hand, but they are instead animated using a computer. And that was before 3D movies like Toy Story. I knew I couldn't draw these things, but I was great with computers. And it was then and there that I decided I'll be an animator at Disney in the computer department one day. But I had to start somewhere, and that was much less glamorous. It started in industrial visualization and commercials. My first internship was 19 months long, just so I could get my hands on a decent computer and a 3D software called Electric Image. If you ever look it up, its biggest claim to fame is the pot racer sequence in Star Wars 1. Let's just say I modeled, rigged, and rendered a lot of car parts. Which brings me to my first point. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And that verse holds a lot of meaning to me. We often think of the apostles as these wise men walking the earth, preaching the word. But let's not forget, Andrew, Peter, James, and John worked as fishermen. Paul supported himself as a tent maker, and Jesus was a carpenter. They often had very normal jobs next to preaching the gospel. So that verse became my creed. Even if I didn't work for a church or as a missionary, I would work heartily as for the Lord. Yes, even when working in a secular commercial movie or video game company. I would work as if for the Lord and not for men. So in my 19 months of internship, I got paid a total of $3,000 in 19 months. That adds up to roughly 80 cents per day. And we did 12-hour 12 day, uh, 12 days regularly. But my main payment was actually learning the software and getting into a rhythm to get experience. Okay, to show you a bit about what it takes and the kind of odd jobs I did to learn the trade, here's a video about my first endeavors into computer animation. I did a lot of the background work, uh, like setting up the characters or modeling a piece, but only a bit of the character animation in these shots. Mind you, this video is from 2007, so it has some terrible old MPEG compression on it.
Okay, so I was well on my way on my super good life plan, right? I was working hard, I was training, I was preparing to become better each and every day. Which brings me to my second point. Making God the boss of your career, no matter where you work, is the best thing you can do. So let's talk about trusting God a little bit. Based on my personal life story, I hope I can show you that trusting God is the most important thing when it comes uh, to your life, including your career. And believe me, often that can be way more difficult than you think. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. After my internship, I went to a university for applied science in Stuttgart, Germany, and I became an engineer for audiovisual media. My first job straight out of school didn't take long to land. In fact, I missed my graduation because of it. I went to a small studio to work on a commercial for the DHL, which is the equivalent of like the post office. The producer of the company apologized when I arrived because he said the project was canceled. Instead, he asked me if I'd be willing to work on another spot with them for, you guessed it, Disney on a Brother Bear Easter special. Now, knowing that God had my career in my hands, I wasn't even half surprised. I gladly accepted the job. And these two weeks became three years in commercials, but I soon realized that a generalist 3D artist wasn't good enough to be picked up by a major US studio. And that's where I wanted to go. I had to go back to school, and while working a 14-hour day, like 14-hour days, um, 14 hour week uh, per, per weekdays, I studied at an animation school called Animation Mentor. After moving to the US and getting married, my wife and I, I started praying about landing our first job. Starting out a family, we both knew that prayer needed to be at the center of our lives and de- deliberately invited God to speak into my career. Remember my plan? While I was really on my way here, I had worked at a reputable company in Germany. I had created commercials. My wife and I moved to the S, the center of all entertainment. I had just finished my animation degree and my reel looked decent. Of course, I was hoping that Disney would just call, right? But we prayed, your will, God, not ours be done. And I want to slow down here for a second. If you mean these words, your will be done, would you agree that is a dangerous, scary, and even courageous prayer? For instance, remember my game gear? What if it had just blown up? What if, I, what if God wanted my plans to look very different from my rosy Disney-colored glasses? What if he wanted us to go to another country? Sometimes it feels easier to pray when you have little to lose, but we were talking about life choices here, and while I agree it's scary and courageous, I also ask myself, what does the alternative look like? Don't we all believe that his will is best for us, even if it doesn't align with our dreams? Wouldn't it be wise to pray it, like regularly, when we're down and out, but also when we're at the top of our game? And yet, if you truly pray this prayer, let me warn you, as a fellow brother, that God will answer it. To me, it is the ultimate trust exercise, one that to this day gives me a little bit of this, okay, here we go feeling. In my case, God answered that prayer with a great opportunity at Microsoft. I got to work on a game called Kodu, which teaches kids how to code. It's free for schools and students, and it's still being used all around the world, as far as I know. If you have younger siblings or children in your life interested in making games, I can recommend it. After all, it's free. And while it wasn't Disney yet, nor feature film, I trusted in God that he would use it to teach me valuable skills. While my time at Microsoft was short, it was also great and helped us save a bit of money. And then my life was about to change because I got a call. Sony Imageworks called, and they offered me a job as animator on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. 
So here I was, after years of internships, finishing two degrees, burning the midnight oil and working in commercials, heartily as unto the Lord, finally I could be working as an animator on a big AAA feature film. And this totally felt like it made sense in my super good life plan. But before, before saying yes, we prayed once again. Was this what God wanted for me and for my family? Let me stop here for a second. Even when things go your way, I recommend to make sure to speak to God and ask him for advice. There could be many reasons why he wouldn't want me to accept an offer such as this. The Bible says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. You know, there were good reasons not to accept the offer, because Sarah was pregnant with our first child, Julia. I would be making 40% less money than what Microsoft was paying me. I would be moving away from her family in Seattle while having our first child. In this case, the answer actually came through my wife. Her confident answer to follow my dream and the peace she had about it was a clear sign for me that this was the right step. To this day, she wondered how, why she felt that way back in the day. So, I ended up working at Sony and I worked at Cloudy. And here are a few of the shots that I got to animate on the movie, plus some other work I did. I truly had a blast and I loved every day working there. All right, here's the skinny. You don't keep throwing in there where there aren't any fish. What? What's your name, my dear? My name is Ula Inga, Hansen, Benson, Jonsen, Tallen, Harlan, Svaden, Swanson. Oh, wait, wait. What's your first name? That was my first name. I, I didn't. Come on. Let's open the shop. You want to hear my last name? We don't have the time. We'll just call you Ula. Oh. Okay? Yeah. The father of someone as extraordinary as you. You're talented. Lie. Me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Okay, so we lived happily ever after. Thank you for coming. It was a great talk. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, no, why not? Like, there's more to come, right? What happened? Well, everything was up to the right. I should be happy, right? Wrong. After six months of living my dream, the movie was done, and we all got laid off. It was, I was quite new to the US. I had moved here from Germany. I barely knew anyone yet. We had a kid coming in four months. I had no job, and money would be running out on us really quick. And so I wrote over 38 applications. I called everyone I knew. I only heard back from a few companies, but none of them had work for me. A month passed and another. And as before, Sarah and I kept praying, God, your will be done, and we would be open to listen. Even though my reel was decent, the movie was a success, I had years of experience, and I had two degrees. We waited for almost three months, and our unemployment insurance was about to dry up. We even discussed the option to move back uh, into her parents' house, but we trusted God, 
If it meant moving back or even changing career, it was all on the table, as my career was in his hands, not in mine. I was willing to follow him wherever he needed me to go. So close to the end of the three months of unemployment insurance, a very small company close by called and said they had a three-month temp job to work on an unreleased and small indie game called League of Legends. <laughs> the company had 37 people at that time. I have to admit, I wasn't super excited at first. Not only would I make 40% less at Sony, I would make 20% less at Riot. It seemed like my career was moving in the wrong direction. Where was this all going? How could this get me closer to making movies and TV shows for God one day? I felt like we were moving further away from that day by day. But you guessed it. We went back to prayer, sincerely asking God what he wanted us to do in this moment. Should I hold out for a letter from Disney or DreamWorks maybe? Should I accept it? Should we move back? While I wanted to go to Disney, DreamWorks, and Pixar, I trusted that God knew what's best for me. And there are so many ways God can answer prayers. In our case, all doors were closed, and this one swung wide open. And my prayer was sincere. Your will be done, not mine. And it's really hard to explain, but in all my prayers, I did feel like God pointed me to go to Riot. It's not like he wrote it in golden letters into the sky, but there was a mysterious sense of, this is what you should do. And so I took the job, not understanding how this would eventually be good for God, or for my family, or for myself. And the original game wasn't great looking, and conventional wisdom would have said this is at best a detour on my journey to making TV shows for God. I was giving this job, as every other before, my all, and I was working heartily as unto the Lord, and navigating and trying my best to be a Christian at a secular game studio. Then, while working at Riot, six months later it happened. An amazing offer came. I was offered to work on a, at a company called Blue Sky on the movie Rio. They're the company that also made Ice Age or Horton Hears a Who, Spice in Disguise. And yes, you guessed it. Back to prayer. Like I said, in good times or bad times, prayer and trust in God is the best way to approach things. It's important to remember we should trust in the Lord always, not just when it's fun or convenient, but at all times. And I know this can be hard. Because the answer was no. I'd mentioned there are many ways God answers prayer. Neither myself nor my wife had peace about going to New York and to join the company. And the offer was so tempting and so sweet. Blue Sky would have been one step closer to my original Disney plan. But we both knew it wasn't the right step, and we felt like I should stay at Riot instead. Mind you, Riot was not a big, huge success at this point. The game had barely launched. They could barely afford me. And so saying no to Blue Sky was a weird out-of-body experience. Here was my childhood dream and also my way of doing something meaningful for God. And I, I felt like I was saying no to them. And yet, I was trusting that God had a great plan for me, for my life, for my family, even when that felt I had to turn down this amazing company. So like I said, I stayed at Riot and I became a game developer, not knowing where this would ultimately lead. Here are a few animations that I did for the game called League of Legends. So in the, like I've been now 14 years at Riot, I started as a senior animator, then animation lead, art lead, art director, creative director, and now like now lead the creative department. I got to touch, like I got to work on 50 of the first 100 champions and got to touch the first 100. 
Um, I worked on League of Legends a total of seven and a half years and on some R&D projects. These are the animation elements that we're creating to then put them in the game. Uh, we work very cross-disciplinary and we show, like, you know, we work together with other um, artists and designers and engineers in order to make the game come to life. There are some characters that are a little bit nearer and dearer to my heart. Draven is one of them. Poro is certainly the most, uh, the, the, the one that I love the most. Those are the white little fuzzy creatures that run around our game. And you'll see them a lot uh, through the other things. That's Poro. There you go. That's the first version. Poro snack. Feed the Poro. So one second, I was going to show a little bit of the game. Uh, normally, you put these, these reels together in order to get a job. I. I'm with Riot for the last 14 years, so it doesn't make sense for me to put together a reel, but um, I put it together just to show a little bit of the work. And you can even see the old client in the background. Uh, not client, the old map in the background. This is how League of Legends looked like before we cleaned it up. Twisted tree line, if people remember that. <laughs> right? Some good stuff, some good stuff. So if you play our game, here's a silly one for a monster called Baron in our game that never made it into the game. We sometimes do animations that we only do for ourselves just for fun. Please, no one clip this and put it on the internet. It's going to get me in real trouble. Uh, you'll know in a second why, but I couldn't resist making it, and I can't resist showing it. Phenomenal. I'll show it one more time. I don't know if you can crank up the, the audio a little bit. Beautiful. Uh, like I said, God had a great plan, a plan far better than what I could have foreseen for my life. League of Legends became... Oh, whoa, 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 what's happening here? I think you're on, on the button. Is it me? No, 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 no. There we go. Sorry, my bad. I don't know what happened. We'll see. League of Legends became really big. And I learned a lot, much more than I could have ever imagined. In case you don't know League, it became 100 million players big. It felt like, in fact, it became the biggest esports in the world. I think you have to manually tap on this one. Thank you. <laughs> right. Because I. I think I saw your mouse cursor. So there. You got it. This is what peak League of Legends looks like.
So for example, the World Finals in 2018 racked up almost 99.8 million unique viewers and compare that to the NFL Super Bowl at 100.7 million viewers in 2019 for a sport that's only 10 years old. Riot has grown from 37 people when it started to over 4,500 today and it's in 22 countries. League is the world's biggest eSport game currently and I could have never foreseen such a success for a game. After many years on League, I worked at an un undisclosed R&D project then I returned to League of Legends as art director on our skins team and went back to spend another three years as in-game art director for Legends of Runeterra. Here are 30 seconds of that. There's Poro again. As a whole, Riot became a really big company, releasing five games to this day. The work we created reached a full 600 million players in the first decade. So, while Riot ended up taking good care of my career, of my family and me, something more important happened, because God knew he would use this place to teach me something. You know, God can use anything and anyone to teach us and help us grow. In my case, he used Riot and someone that would later on take over my hard-earned role as animation lead to teach me something incredibly valuable. I'm sure we all have things that we struggle with in our walk of faith. God used Riot to teach me something I don't think I, should, I would have learned anywhere else, and that was that I needed to become more humble. You know, it's hard to admit, but deep down inside, I felt proud and a little bit arrogant that I knew better at times, and God knew that I had to let that go. I firmly believe that arrogance would have been a side of me that would have only grown if I had stayed in the movie industry. The glamorous side of working on the big movie title here or with a famous director there, that would have not been good for me personally. Instead, Riot was a place where I would be able to and have to practice genuine humility. You know, God had a great plan for me, and my arrogance was in the way of it. He used Riot to help me see and correct that. I wanted to become a leader, not a boss to everyone. Bosses are put in charge, they command, but leaders are chosen, and for that I needed to be a humble servant leader that leads by example. So at Riot, two years in, I had to learn to become more humble each and every day. Over the first two years I had built a team and some saw that I believed I knew better and they didn't want to follow me anymore. I was already promoted to animation lead, and, but I had to take a voluntary demotion to senior animator and learn from the ground up what it means to lead and serve people and create healthy teams. Remember when I said, work heartily unto the Lord? Well, here was this new senior animator. He came in from another studio, and he told me that not the whole team believed in my leadership, and that uh, he had the potential of taking over my role. And yet, I knew he was right. I felt like God was giving me a chance, not him. Magnus, is this who you want to be? This self-righteous, arrogant person, or a truly humble servant leader that earns the trust of the people he's entrusted with? So I suggested to go back to animating. I asked the new team member to take over the team and I concentrated on re-earning the trust of the team. It took a long two years until the team reached out and asked me if I could represent and lead them again proactively. God has used Riot to teach me an immeasurable important lesson 
And while this story is 10 years ago, I am genuinely thankful for Riot and its leadership as they had patience with me becoming a better leader. I'm not sure this would, would have happened anywhere else. When I had looked at what had looked like a job that would lead away from serving God, turned out not only to be a way to teach me and shape me, and to be a better Christian and person all around, but also a place where I could genuinely help others, both in their walk of faith, but also as non-believers in addition to my own growth. And this brings me to being salt and light. You know, I believe I was mistaken as a teenager, thinking that being a Christian is all about preaching the message wherever you go. But I often found this would turn off people quickly. Not only was I learning to be more humble myself at Riot, but I realized that every day I have the purpose and ability to simply be a Christian in a, in a secular workplace. I can help others. I can show them how I am struggling as a human and deal with everyday life as a believer. I am able to show kindness. I can encourage others when they are going through tough times. And yes, on occasion even, I can pray for them and their loved ones if they want me to. I was even allowed to form Riot's Christian at Riot Games group, which has over 50 members today, and a small prayer group even. In my time at Riot, I was able to speak into the lives of both Christians at Riot, Christians that tried to get into the entertainment industry, as well as non-believers struggling with everyday life. I hope through my demeanor and behavior they see what it means to be a Christ follower, not preachy, just through my actions and reactions, and yes, like everyone, I fall short, of course. But I strongly believe we need to be salt and light wherever God places us. I want to demonstrate that with two examples here of what I mean. Early on at Riot, when I shared with another rioter that I was a Christian, he said he doesn't like them. He said, they are all talk and no game. I asked him what he meant by that, and he said, when he was attending UCLA, every week there was a group of Christians passing out leaflets and asking him whether he wanted to join the Bible study. He said if they had ever asked in four years that he attended college whether he wanted to come along and feed the hungry, he would have joined them. And that stuck with me until this day, and it made me realize we need to be doers of the word, not just talkers. The second one was equally enlightening. In a conversation with my manager at some point, I mentioned I'm a Christian. He replied, oh, so you're better than all of us, huh? I was perplexed by that thought, but understood this was all he had ever experienced from other Christians in his life. So I answered, I'm very sorry that's your impression of Christians. We're not at all better than anyone else, in fact. We are only aware of a sinfulness and brokenness and in dire need of a savior. The only difference between you and me is that I believe I need help. I hope these two examples illustrate to you that we need to be witnesses to non-believers simply through our actions. Unfortunately, there are a lot of warped perceptions about Christ followers out there. And we have the opportunity to show them what it means to be a loving, kind, compassionate Christian, whether through the content we create or through how we interact with others wherever we work. You know, I really believe God has a plan to find the lost sheep wherever they have gone astray. We shouldn't be surprised that God has been working on this in respect to games for the past two to three decades since the very beginning. And so I'm finding wonderful Christians and Christian leaders at many favorite game companies that have a similar desire. Many of you know it turns out that games are a really big deal and that I'm not the only one that actually enjoys playing them. When I started playing video games, it was a niche hobby done only by a few geeks who would save up $150 to buy an imported copy of Final Fantasy VI at a local video game dealership. 
But God knew that video games one day would become the number one entertainment in the world, and he knew he would make good use of workers in this field. In the past few years, I've met more and more other Christian game developers that are coming together to discuss just that. I wish I could tell you the names of these amazing leaders I met at major game companies who are delighted to find other believers in the industry. And I believe God's plan is greater and deeper than we ever thought. Because the truth is, God is looking for workers not only to reach everywhere around the globe, but also Azeroth, Runeterra, and all the other digital realms. And this plan involves people from all walks of life. If you're into games, you'll understand this metaphor. In the past months and years, I met anything from the bard to the tank, from the glass cannon to the wizard, and even from the healer to the steward who stuffed the storehouses for years waiting for the party to arrive. Who among you here today is a bard that tells stories far and wide, entertains with a captivating demeanor, and gets people to stay a while and listen? <laughs> Let me be more specific. I'm so glad to know that there are Christian video game streamers out there and in this room today. As a father of three children who regularly watch streams and YouTube videos who are out there in the digital world, hearing they can follow fine people like all of you is amazingly comforting. Preacher guy was literally yelling, read your Bibles, just a few minutes after I took that screenshot. Whether you reach a thousand or just one, Jesus left the 99 to go looking for the one. You're part of God's plan, and I'm sure of it. Remember what I said about working as unto the Lord? He might give your stream a million followers, or just 10, but he knows he wants you, who he wants you to reach. And today, I want to thank you for your work. Now, where are my clerics at? The people that have studied the word for decades, faithfully praying for a chance to impart your wisdom to others that are willing to listen. This group includes, uh, among many others, the pastors, youth, or senior that have the wisdom but might not know how to reach the audience that is disappearing into digital realms they themselves never tread in. The good news is, you have a knowledge that we all need. What is good? What is true? What is worth teaching? We need your education, your wisdom. We need your prayers. We all venture into unknown territory. We need sound doctrine and great teaching. Today, I also thank you for your work that kept me fed all these years. You kept my way straight in weeks and months where it could have easily wandered off. And what about the wise wizards that were good stewards collecting knowledge and treasure storehouses to train the next generation of bards, artists, and storytellers? Some of you might even have collected the coin to fund a whole expedition for many of us one day. You might think you spent most of your time in the tower studying the word and storing treasure for a future, wondering how that one day would serve the Lord. Oh, I'm one ahead. Um, much like Joseph, I know that God has called some of you to store up grain for when there's a need, whether it was teaching knowledge or handing out riches. You might have never realized what your role was in all of this until this very day and that very slide. Yes, I believe you are very much part of God's plan. And then there are the draftsmen and women who took decades to hone the craft, learned how to smith the finest weapons, I mean games. God has prepared many of us, and every day we find more. There are many who spent decades to learn to, uh, the craft of making games, telling stories, and crafting excellence. Some of us are called to, the, to tell the story directly and to reach a new audience that way. If you haven't, please support BibleX. And others are called to create games that talk about God in a different way. And others, again, are just called to be salt and light in an industry that desperately needs God like any other place on this earth. There are so many more in God's plan that I haven't mentioned yet. 
eyes, ears, hands, feet, brain, the whole body of Christ. For instance, I have met a wonderful person who has met so many of us creators in the entertainment industry for years. He talked to them, befriended them, and when I met him, it was clear to me that he was the one who would help connect us all. He had the Rolodex, he had the telephone book, and he was ready to let us partake in it and meet one another. But, you might ask, why prepare to assemble this incredible group of people for the past two to three decades? Why do we need people who nerd out to either explore or create these digital realms? I'm sure you all remember 20, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. And you might also remember Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, I think we felt like we're doing so good on this mission. This map is from 2014, so it's better nowadays, but I wish I could have found a more recent one. But slowly, the gospel is reaching the ends of the earth. And we have started to reach 7.2 billion possible humans in Bible translations. Yay, we're so close. Or are we not? What about Azeroth? What about Runeterra? What about the thousand planets of Starfield? Because the truth is that not only a lot of people are playing video games, but that they are also playing video games a lot. On average, 16 and a half hours per week in 2021. Games are getting bigger and more immersive with every new technology. And we're getting better and more refined in how carefully we craft these experiences. The truth is that people are already disappearing into the digital realms, never to come out and be seen again. And new AI technology will change how and what we uh, game in the future potentially forever. Here you can see a clip that has had to be carefully rendered out, but it's only a matter of time before something like this could happen as an interactive real-time application like a game. A long, long time ago at Lady Winterbottom's lovely tea party, is in the smoking ruins and ashes of New York City. A fierce woman ain't playing no games and is out to kick some butts. Against the unimaginable, brutal, merciless, and scary lobby boy of the delightful Grand Budapest Hotel. Hi. And everything seems doomed and lost until... A super handsome man arises, the true hero and great mastermind behind all of this. If you're wondering what that could mean for games, the player you're about to see is wearing a haptic feedback suit that gives her the feeling of being in the world. Every punch and every raindrop she can feel. In addition to that, she has a high-end VR headset and surround sound for full immersion. And for the first time ever, because of AI, she gets to speak to NPCs in natural language, and they will reply. There are no smart AI mods using ChatGPT for Skyrim VR, and it's insane. You can now go up to anyone in the game in a full-on, realistic conversations, saying anything you want. The NPCs will respond with completely new, dynamic voice lines of dialogue. I'm just going to let you listen to some of these conversations because it's hard to describe how surreal it is to have an actual conversation with a Skyrim NPC. I'll leave the links for these mods down below. Herica is on Nexus, but the mod where you can talk to any NPC is still unreleased, but you can test it out on the creator's Discord. Who should we talk to, Herica? Well, Jean Gasser, let's see if we can find someone worth talking to. Perhaps that handsome guard over there could use a good conversation. How would you feel if I told you you're not real? 
Well, as a guard in Whiterun, I have a clear sense of my purpose and role in this world. Whether or not I am considered real is subjective, but I am dedicated to carrying out my duties and ensuring the safety of the city. Your perspective... Oh, sorry. One sec. No, no, no. Trust me, uh, I'll, I control the rest of the video at a later point. It is long. If you feel we are not far away from Ready Player One, you might be right. Even if it's a few years or maybe a few decades before we get there. But even when you think none of this will happen, and it will happen, current games are a big draw, and some people will never be reached any other way. God wants to reach every single one of them, one way or another, whether that is by making games, talking about games, playing games. That's what he called some of us to, in this room to do. And God happened to choose quite a ragtag group of other poros, uh, sorry, uh, sheep. I mean sheep to help us find the rest of the others. So please join us in this rolling ball down the mountain. It only will get faster from here on out. For a moment, please allow me to get on a soapbox here. Let me speak from one poro, uh, sheep to another. You know, as a kid, I grew up with a pretty small group of sincere Christians in Germany. In the late 1990s, when I was around 12 to 13, we went on a march for Jesus in Berlin, Germany, to show and demonstrate our love for Christ. It was a great event. There were a lot of tie-dye shirts around me, and many people took a white t-shirt and wrote, I love Jesus, with a Sharpie on it. Don't get me wrong, so many here had the heart in the right place. But what I craved as a young kid, though, was to be cool like all my Nike-loving school buddies just representing Jesus. But such a shirt didn't exist in Germany, or it was incredibly expensive to get a hold of. I was left with white shirts and Sharpies. In my everyday life, I, like every other geeky kid, was watching Lion King, Jurassic Park, and Toy Story. And yet the best we had to show as Christians was VeggieTales at that time. And please get me right. I think that Phil Fisher was a pioneer, and many kids encountered God's word through his faithful work. I genuinely am thankful for his spearheading Christian TV animations. But us geeks and nerds know what good looks like. And when we are Christian geeks and nerds, we want the same cool stuff, not less quality. That's why content like The Chosen, The David Movie, or The Wing Feather Saga resonates with us. And Christian games have yet to live up to that standard. I was genuinely hoping I find an example that no one here has worked on. So if you work on Bible adventures, please take my apology. You were a groundbreaker at that time. So you might say, what's your point, Magnus? Why do you even bring this up? Well, Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And this often means we have to put in the work and train. And I'm sorry, training is hard. We sometimes might think, because I'm doing this for God and He can do miracles, He'll just sprinkle magical blessing over it and make it a, our work a mega success. But let's not fool ourselves. God never spared anyone in the Bible the hard work. That is the reason why I wanted to work at Disney, to learn from the best, and one day turn that knowledge to use it to honor and represent God well. Because learning the trait does not have to come from spiritual sources. In fact, I often find that the secular world has much better information and refined approaches than the, search, uh, than the church, sadly enough. I believe that as Christ followers, many of us will have to attend two types of schools. 
being part of the body, learning God's word, staying close to him, and learning a trade, putting in the 10,000 hours and becoming better each and every day. So if you're a hobbyist that deeply loves Jesus and you want to do anything for him, whether that's creating video game content or making games or being a car mechanic for Jesus, I urge you to put in the time to get good at it. I firmly believe that Jesus is yearning for master craftsmen and women, and the only way to get there is to put up the work. The good news is, the information is all out there. And people like myself are here to help to get you there. We won't lower the standards. They are immovable. But we will tell you how we learn to achieve them and how you can too. So, if God has a plan and is starting to call the people and we are willing to bring our excellence, what are we doing next? Well, we need to form alliances. There's a lot of new land we all have to explore and reach. Each and every one with our own talent contributing to the larger goal. My pastor once said, there is no plan B. We're it. God must have a lot of trust in us. A friend of mine, Chris Skaggs, a few years ago, felt the calling to bring artists, writers, producers, pastors, and game developers together. In short, people who had a heart for Jesus and for game development. He named this movement after the elvish word Imladris, or better known in English, Rivendell. And it's described as the last peaceful place in Middle-earth from which the group of adventurers must depart to go into a foreign and dangerous land. Imladris is a movement to create a healthy and profitable ecosystem of redemptive creative creators, patrons, and fans motivated by their shared faith to bring excellence, scholarship, and leadership to every facet of arts and entertainment. And to start somewhere, here's a five-year mission to create the guiding principles, strategy, and community infrastructure that nurtures a thriving Christian game developer community and the fan base to support it. After all, we are at the very beginning of our journey, just starting to form the strategy for the first five years of our existence and forming early alliances. And since we know that any of this will only bear fruit if we follow God's will, as always, we start with prayer. Every meeting, every time, prayer for wisdom, to find the resources we need on our journey, and to inspire the right people to come and join us. And you have my bow. And my axe. If you're a game developer, and this sounds like something you want to be part of, please let me know. But even if you're adjacent to that, please let us know. Just expect it all to be very, very early beginnings. And if you're a pastor in a church, please look out for the nerdy kids around you. Please support and care for them. They might speak a language that you don't but they are the next generation that we will train to go into uncharted territory with us, whether that is on planet Earth or the world of Azeroth or Runeterra. Okay, this was a lot. Let's recap it and summarize it all. We all agree that God doesn't make mistakes. If he created you in a way that you are here today, chances are high that he gave you these interests and that passion for video games so you can serve him that way somehow. That could be either through making Christian games talking about them, <coughs> supporting kids that want to make games or stream them, or simply through being a Christian in the video game industry. Wherever God places you, don't forget that you ultimately work for him. Show up with a happy and positive heart, knowing you're working for an almighty God. Be diligent and a good steward for whatever company you work for. 
even your own, because it's not your own. Please seek out excellence in all you do. Don't expect that Jesus will magically make you a super game developer just because you tried to do it for him. Instead, work hard in whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. The information is out there if you're willing to put in the time. And don't forget that God can use anything and anyone to grow you in your own walk of faith. You might not expect it, but if you commit to him, he will continually grow and nurture you as a Christ follower. Be salt and light in this world, in your world, your everyday around you world. If I may add this to anyone working in a more secular company, there, there are times for unfiltered direct preaching, but often we touch other people's lives through living as loving Christ followers among a lost world that desperately needs a savior. Be the God created you. Try to reflect Jesus. That will be much more attractive than any Facebook post you'll ever write in my experience. It turns out that the whole world needs salt and light, not only the faraway places or remote villages. People everywhere need to see what it means to be a Christ follower, including bankers, bakers, and video game makers. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> the older I get, the more I understand my purpose is to live out what it means to be a Christian in my everyday life, whether that is my normal day-to-day -day or digital life. You all heard Mark 16, 15, go into all the world. I always interpreted that as a call to be a missionary ready to pack my bags at any minute. And for some it is. I recently learned that a more accurate translation is as you go throughout the world. So doing what you do already. So as you go throughout the world, be kind, be generous, admit your shortcomings openly and without hesitation. Be vulnerable, turn the other cheek, walk with God at all times. Whatever you do, do it for him. That is a compelling, heart-winning witness to a world that needs a savior as much as we do. And out of that, God will give you opportunities to preach the gospel. Whether you are already on your journey or just starting out, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Trust him with all your heart, and whether the news are good or bad, pray about them. Your will, O Lord, not mine, be done. That's a dangerous prayer, and yet there's none better. Most of all, let me end with this verse today. Whatever your dreams are, I believe that God gave you your passions for a reason. Trust that he has a great plan, even when it looks differently than the one you thought of. Willingly be open to hear him speak into and through your life. I believe he can and will use you in a mysterious and wonderful way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Oh. And you might be wondering what became of my plan to join Disney and make TV shows for God one day. Well, who's to say that I won't make a good video game for him one day in the future? But for that, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. And with that, I'm open to any questions. Thank you guys so much for coming.